three places today. 1 Corinthians 15, Colossians chapter 3, and 1 John chapter 3. We pick up in uh, 1 Corinthians, and Paul is talking about the resurrection of the dead and the certainty we have of the resurrection and what will happen to us at that time. So we start with verse 50 down to the end of the chapter. I tell you this, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Then to Colossians, chapter 3, and we read verses 1 to 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too were once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator." Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive." And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, 
to which you indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then to 1 John, the third chapter. 1st three verses. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. May God bless to us these readings from his holy word. Well, there was a fairly wealthy guy and uh, he had a lot of gold. He really believed in the importance of having physical gold and this man had a lot of gold and he was very wealthy and so he put a stipulation in his will that in order for anybody to receive their inheritance from him, they had to make sure that his physical gold was buried with him in the coffin. You see, his idea was that uh, if he could have the gold buried with him, then somehow he would take it up to heaven. And so, uh, true to the, the will, the man died. Uh, he was buried on top of his gold. The gold was buried there with him. And uh, so he dies, and he goes to heaven, because he's a believer. He goes to heaven, and he comes up to the pearly gates, as you do, and uh, talks to Peter. And, and he's got this big case with him that the gold was in. And he says, uh, I'm going to take this in with me. And Peter says, well, no, I'm sorry, sir. You know, you can't take anything in here. Uh, you just come as you are. Uh, so you don't need anything. And the man said, no, I insist. I want to take this suitcase in with me. And Peter said, well, this is very, very unusual. I'll have to check in with God on this. And so Peter went and he talked with God. And uh, he came back with this stunned look on his face, Peter did. And he said, man, this is incredible. I don't know what happened here. But God said that you could take the suitcase into heaven with you. And the man said, wow, that's great. And Peter says, would you mind? I would really love to see what is in this suitcase because this is so unusual. And the guy opens up the suitcase and there's the gold glittering. And Peter looks at him with this stunned look on his face and he says, pavement? You've brought pavement? Love that story. Oh, so often what we do is we live for the day and we think that all the stuff that we accumulate in this life really defines who we are and really defines, determines our destiny, determines our worth, determines our value. And we often value things that are completely worthless from a heavenly perspective. And sometimes we treat things as worthless that have ultimate value from a heavenly perspective. But we know that ultimately as Christians, we are not living 
for the fulfillment of this life. Paul tells us earlier in that chapter 15 in in 1 Corinthians, he said, boy, if, if we're only doing this for what we get in this world, for this world alone, we're to be pitied above all people because of the challenges and the suffering and the difficulties that we face. So many people expect that once we become Christians that suddenly our lives get easier and that we go from glory to glory and strength to strength and we overcome all of our sin and we overcome all of our sickness and we always have perfect relationships. We never have disagreements with people and things like that. But the reality is completely opposite, that sometimes we have more disagreements with people once we become Christians. And that's actually what Jesus told us. He promised us that would happen. Sometimes we become Christians and we have more trouble in the world, not less trouble. And by the way, the Bible also promises us that. Sometimes we become Christians and our struggle with sin gets harder, not easier, because we become much more sin conscious. You know, it's very easy when you don't know how much you sin just to go on sinning, but once the Holy Spirit alerts you to how sinful you really are, then the real struggles can often begin in our lives. And so we know that as Christians, we are living for something more. And we've been talking the last number, last couple of months about this, this truth, this reality that our salvation, our eternal life, consists not just in believing something that happened 2,000 years ago. Our salvation, our our eternal life, consists of union with Christ Jesus. That when we are born again, when we are saved by grace through faith, when we become new creations so that the old is gone and the new has come, this all happens because we come into perfect union with Jesus Christ. Jesus describes it as Jesus being in us and we being in Jesus. Jesus is in us and we are in Christ. And this is the mystery that Paul talks about in Colossians when he says, this is the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is in us as Christians and we are in Jesus. And because of that, we have our salvation. We have it in union with Christ Jesus. Because of that, we are justified. Justification comes because we're united with Christ, not just because Jesus forensically declares us not guilty, but because we take on Jesus Christ, we have the righteousness of Christ given to us, imputed to us, so that we stand before God as Jesus stands before God, innocent. When we are united with Christ, Christ sanctifies us, He cleans us up, and He consecrates us, and so we are sanctified because we are in union with Christ Jesus, this profound mystery. When we are united with Christ, we have adoption. We become sons of God with Jesus as our elder brother. We are part of God's family. There is a very real union with Christ so that we receive the inheritance that Jesus receives. This is the promise that we have. And because 
what God joins together, no human being can separate. When we are coming to union with Christ by grace through faith, Jesus then preserves us in that union. He holds on to us and refuses to let us go. So that we begin in this life to experience all the benefits, all the blessings, and, and all the privileges that Jesus has himself. This is why we are about our Father's business, extending the kingdom. This is how we can have that assurance of salvation in this day. Uh, this is how we overcome the power of sin in our lives and we begin to walk in newness of life. All of these things happen because we are united with Christ and Jesus will not let us go. And because we are in union with Christ, there is a promise that all of this is not really for this world. In many respects, this world is nothing more than a training ground. This world is nothing more than an apprenticeship. This world is like going to elementary school. I don't know what it's called here. I, I, you know, I, I've been here 17 years and I still don't understand the educational system in the UK. But you guys get my meaning. It's the school for little children. And that's what this world is. Sometimes we like to think of ourselves as big bad adults, but actually, as Christians in this world, we are in the school for little Christian children, because that's what we are. But we have this union with Christ. And because Christ is going to preserve us, because we started here, there is also a promise of what we might call glorification. That's another benefit that we have in our union with Christ. You see, Jesus has saved us. He's justified us. He sanctified us. The Father has adopted us. And we are preserved, not for this life alone, but for one day we will be glorified. One day we will receive the fullness of everything that Jesus has won for us in the cross and the empty tomb. One day, there will be a new reality that we enter into as believers in Christ Jesus, and we are looking for that day, and we are living for that day. This glorification is our final, complete, and eternal enjoyment of perfect union with Christ. In that moment, the union will be perfect. We will see Jesus and we will know him and we will become like him because we will see him, John tells us, as he is. And as we gaze upon him, we will become like him. And in this complete, perfect union with Christ, we will experience the fullness of all the benefits of his person and work completely and eternally as we enjoy blessed fellowship with God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You all aren't very excited about that. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. And a lot of times, you know what happens, a lot of times we live in this life and we get so caught up in the junk that we're going through, we get so caught up in our difficulties that we take our eyes off the prize. We forget this glorification. We forget where we're going. We forget all that Jesus Christ has done for us and all the benefits. And so lest we forget, let's consider first the dynamics of this glorification in Christ. 
What is this going to look like? What will this be like? Well, first of all, we will experience the fullness of our saved humanity in Jesus. We think we have life right now, but what we're going to have is real life. And we are going to be fully the human beings that God has created us to be. How many of you think you have reached your 100% full potential right now in life? Is there anybody here that thinks that you're, you've, you've achieved everything you possibly could achieve? Nobody? Me neither. But in this reality, you will experience the fullness of your potential as a human being that God has created you to be. You won't be like another human being. You will be fully the you that God has created. And how many of you have aches and pains in your body? Now, everybody should be raising their hands there. Yeah, okay. Well, we will have in this new reality a resurrection body just like Jesus' body. The body that Christ had when he came up out of the tomb is the body that we will have in this glorification. This is God's promise for us. We're going to have that body. One of my most powerful moments when I was doing a funeral was a funeral for an aunt of mine who had been crippled with rheumatoid arthritis from the time that she was 33. And she finally died in her 70s. And she wanted me to do her funeral, and we did a graveside funeral. And I'm there leading the graveside funeral, and God gave me a vision of my aunt dancing before him in heaven. And that was a powerful moment. Because she had a resurrection body that was no longer subject to sickness, no longer subject to crying, to sorrow, to mourning, to pain, because as Revelation says, the old order of things have passed away. So we become fully the human beings that God created us to be as Jesus was fully a human being and is still the fullness of a human being. We also have the fullness of our justification in Jesus. We will, at that time, be fully righteous. We're not going to sin anymore. We won't make mistakes anymore. We will stand before the judgment seat of God. And we will de be declared not guilty. And our name will be unfolded, will, will, will be revealed that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Because we've had that not guilty verdict. We have the fullness of that as we stand before the Lord in our glorification. We have the fullness of our sanctification in Jesus Christ. In that moment, we will be truly holy. We will be spotless and without blemish. We will be completely set apart for Jesus as the bride of Christ. There will be no stain in our lives. You will have no regrets in that moment. You will have no misgivings in that moment. You will not be ashamed to stand before God or another person in that moment. You will know exactly who you are and you will be cleansed and you will be consecrated and you will stand without shame, without guilt before the God of life and before your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We have that in Christ Jesus. I think I need an amen somewhere. Do you believe it? Yeah. 
I know we don't do a lot of amens here, and I don't ask for amens, but sometimes you need an amen. Because it's true. It's what God has for us. And that's the fullness of our justification. We will experience the fullness of our adoption in Jesus Christ. You'll walk up to Jesus, and yes, you might bow at His feet. Yes, you, you will worship Him. Yes, you will honor Him. That is absolutely true. But you'll walk up to Jesus and say, Hi, bro. Because He's your brother. He died for you. He rose for you. But He's your brother. And you'll walk up to God seated on the throne. And you'll walk up to Him without fear and without shame. And you'll walk up and certainly you'll worship Him. Certainly you'll praise Him. Certainly you'll honor Him. But also you'll say, Hi, Pop. Because He's your dad. And you will experience the fullness of that in Jesus Christ. You will be sons of God. But not only that, you will be reigning with Christ. You know, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And we are called to reign. We are going to be a kingdom of priests unto our God. We will reign. And part of this life is training us to reign with Jesus Christ. And in that moment, as sons of God, we will receive our full inheritance. Nothing will be lost. Nothing will be withheld. And this is our reality in Jesus Christ. This is the reality of glorification. This is the fulfillment of all that Jesus Christ came to do. And if this is not fulfilled, then Jesus has failed. And guess what? Jesus never fails. This will be fulfilled. And we have to remind ourselves of this time after time after time after time. Let me tell you, on most mornings when I'm tired and I don't want to get up, the last thing I feel like is a son of God who's going to be reigning with Christ. On most days when I fall yet again into sin, the last thing I feel like is justified. On many days when, when, when I just, you know, I, I, I feel caught between the world and righteousness of Christ, I don't feel sanctified. And I have to remind myself time after time after time after time that this is my reality. This glorification in Christ Jesus, this is my reality. This world is not my enduring reality. I'm not a world denier, but I am a heaven affirmer. And I know that my reality is in union with Christ Jesus, not only now, but through all eternity. And I have to remind myself time after time after time and day after day after day. I remember growing up, we used to have a lot of songs to talk about this. I mean, one of my mom's favorite songs was I'll Fly Away. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah by and by, I'll fly away. And mansion over the hilltop. I sang that, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. Uh, these great songs. And I remember a point in time where people started to dismiss these songs. And they started to come up with these cutesy little sayings like, oh, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. 
But you know what? There's no such thing as being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Jesus was the most heavenly minded human being that ever walked the face of the earth and he was the one who did the most earthly good of any human being who ever walked the face of the earth. And so we have to remind ourselves and we have to encourage ourselves and we have to challenge ourselves and when we feel down and when we feel discouraged as we will, we need to look up and see the fullness of Jesus Christ that is coming upon us that is just there that we know because now we're united with Christ and those who are united with Christ will be glorified. So how do we live in light of this reality? How do we live knowing our glorification is coming? Knowing that this is true? What are the implications? Well, first, there are implications for how we understand ourselves. How do we understand ourselves? We need to remember and constantly remind ourselves that we are sons of God, men and women sons of God, that we are the bride of Christ, that we are in union with Christ Jesus. And this means for all of us that we've got to walk by faith and not by sight. I mean, how, how many times have you ever seen another brother or sister in Christ and say, wow, if I'm walking by sight and that's what I'm going to turn out to be, I'm going to be in big trouble. No. We walk by faith. We know that what we are, what we see, is not fully what we are. So we have to walk by faith and not by sight every single day because everything throughout the day is going to try to pull us away from our glorification in Jesus Christ. And then as Paul talks about here, we need to make it our aim to please Jesus. If we are in union with Jesus... A key dynamic of that union is to seek to please Him. In terms of marriage, one of the reasons why Karen and I have had 33 years of glorious, wonderful, beautiful, amazing marriage, did I say it was really special? It's been great. One of the reasons is that I do not make it my aim to please me in my marriage. I make it my aim to please my wife. Because I know if I make it my aim to please her, that it's easier for her to make it her aim to please me. And so we don't look out to please ourselves, we look out to please one another. And in any union that is worth anything, you always make it your aim to please the other that you're united with. And the same is true in our union with Jesus. And we need to remember that the real motive for what we don't do is not because God's going to get us. The real motive for what we don't do is that, oh, it doesn't feel good because a lot of times it feels great. The real motive for what we don't do is that we are partakers of the glory of Jesus Christ and the spirit of glory rests upon us. So we don't want to tarnish our glory. Every time we sin, every time we, we wallow in the muck of the world, we're tarnishing the glory of Jesus Christ that is in us already because of union with Christ. And so we don't want to do that, not, not because it's just bad for us, but it is, 
but because of the glory of Jesus that rests in us, because we're united with Jesus. This also has implications for how we treat one another in the body of Christ. I mean, come on, we hurt each other all the time, right? Is there anybody here that's never been hurt by another Christian? Because if you're here, please come and pray for me so I can get healing. No, it happens, right? We make mistakes. We mess up. We're going to be something, but we're not that something yet. We haven't seen him fully as he is, so we're not fully like him yet. So how do we treat one another in light of the fact that we're going to be glorified in Jesus, it's coming, and we have this union with Jesus? Well, first of all, we don't pass judgment on one another, but instead we give grace to one another. One of the most important things we can do is give grace and give grace and give grace. We don't choose to pass judgment. We don't say, oh, you're a bad person, or you're a failure, uh, or, or you're, you're not quite good enough, or you hurt people, or, or you know, whatever judgment you want to pass, because God's not finished with us yet. And so we give one another grace. We extend forgiveness to one another in the body of Christ. And we welcome one another as Christ welcomed us. Christ opened his arm to us and, and, and surrounded us. And we welcome one another in the same way. And we need to show honor to one another. Uh, that's a difficult concept sometimes for people. They don't know what it means to show honor. So let me give you the secret to this. Showing honor is simply seeking and affirming the glory of of Jesus that is in the, each person who is in Christ Jesus. Every one of you, every single one of you, have the glory of Jesus Christ inside of you if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you don't. Sorry. And so you need to come and bow at the feet of Jesus and come to Jesus. But if you're a Christian, you have the glory of Jesus in you. And the glory of Jesus is to radiate out of you. So if we want to honor one another, what we must do is to look for the glory of Jesus in each person. And it's going to be different. It's not all going to look the same. Not everybody's going to be a preacher. Not everybody is going to be married. Not everybody is going to be a great cook. Not everybody is going to be effective in business. Not everybody is going to you fill in the blank. And so it means we need to make an effort to find where the glory is manifesting in each person in the body of Christ and affirm that glory, and that's what honor is all about. And when you honor someone then, in light of that, what you are doing is affirming Christ in them. You're not giving them a big head, but you're affirming where Jesus is at in them. And every single person who walks with Jesus has glory flowing out of them. Every single person. So look for the glory. Find the glory. Make finding the glory the treasure hunt. And frankly, you know, in some of us, the treasure's hard to find sometimes, right? But that's okay. A treasure hunt is no fun if you can easily find the treasure. So we find the glory and we honor one another in Jesus Christ. And this glorification also has implications for how we act toward people in the world around us. 
We have responsibility, not only in light of ourselves and not only in our relationships with other Christians, but we have responsibility for people in the world around us. So what do we do? Well, first, we need to seek to do good. Do good. As Christians who are engaged in the world, we must be actively finding good to do. And you know what? It doesn't really matter what good you're finding to do as long as it's good. And how do you know it's good? It's defined as good by the Bible. Now, so there's a lot of things the world says is good, but it's not good. But we don't have to worry about what the world says. We just need to worry about what God says in His Word. Find good to do and do it. And I guarantee you, every single one of us from the time we leave, well, even before we leave this place, but let's say tomorrow when you get up to go to work or go to school or wherever you're going tomorrow, hopefully not hell, but wherever else you're going tomorrow, when you get up to go there, you can find some good to do. Look for the good that you can do tomorrow. And seek to do at least one good thing that's not motivated by somebody else, but find one good thing to do because Time after time, the scriptures tell us to do good, do good, do good, do good, do good. So let's find it and let's do it because the glory of Jesus is in us and we are being glorified. We also advance the kingdom of God. You know, God's purposes in us as the body of Christ is to see his kingdom expand all around the world. And we do that as we step out and we begin to reflect the glory of Jesus. Because part of our call in this world is to reflect the glory of Jesus and the glory that is to come. Jesus said, hey, you are the light of the world. Don't hide your light, but you need to let it shine. And everywhere we go, we need to let Jesus shine through us. Not that we always have to say Jesus or be preaching or things like that. You don't have to do that. If you do good, you advance God's kingdom, and you show God's love, people will see Jesus in you. <coughs> and that's our responsibility. And a final thing. How do we live toward the future? We all have a future. Our future is different. We don't know how long we have to live. I don't know if I will die today, die tomorrow, or die 50 years from now. I don't think it's going to be that long, but I don't know. You don't know. We all don't know. But we all know we have a future, and we need to live into that future. And the reality is that in our future, one day is our glorification in Christ Jesus. This is the reality. So how do we live in light of that reality? How do we move toward that future? Paul tells us there in 1 Corinthians, he says, be steadfast. One of the most difficult things about the Christian life is keeping on, keeping on. There are a lot of times I want to quit. A lot of times I'd rather go and retire if I only had the money to do so. There are a lot of times, and I, I know most of you are like that. Many of us have trouble thinking, oh, I've got to go to that church again and see those people again. Why can't I just sleep in today? Why can't I do something different? 
There are many of us who think, I just want to throw it all off and live like the world does. But Paul tells us we need to be steadfast. We need to keep on keeping on. We cannot quit. We cannot back down. We must be steadfast. And we must be immovable. This means we must ground ourselves in this future reality of our glorification and know that we are living toward that reality. And because of the truth of Jesus, because of the reality of the death and resurrection, because our Lord Jesus, fully human and fully God, preserves us, you will get there. We all will get there. And so we must be immovable. We must not allow people to move us away from Christianity, move us away from our faith, but say, I'm going to stand here, I'm going to live here, I'm going to die here, because I know I will rise here, and I will be glorified here. And we need to remember that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. I have to be honest, there are a lot of times when I say, what's my life produced? Where's the fruitfulness? I look and sometimes I see and I think, well, could it have been more? Should it have been more? Should I have influenced more lives? Should I have made more money? Should I have chosen a different career path? I think most everybody asks those kinds of questions. And some of us ask them just about every day. And it can be very difficult and it can be very discouraging. But I know this, that everything that I've done for the Lord, every way that I've served Him, every sermon that I have preached, every scripture that I have studied, every lesson that I have taught, every prayer that I have prayed, every good that I have done, everything is valuable to Jesus. The labor that I've done in the Lord is not in vain. And that is true for you. Everything you do, you don't know the fruitfulness of your life. You don't know the outcomes of your life. But you do know this. Whatever you do in the Lord is not in vain. It is worthwhile. It is valuable. It is priceless. And it is moving you one step closer, one day closer, one moment closer to the reality of your glorification in Jesus Christ. This is our reality. This is where we're going. Keep your eye on Jesus and know that your union with Christ Jesus will be fulfilled. Will be fulfilled through our glorification. Father God, I thank you so much for your word, for the way you challenge us and encourage us, for this reality that right now what we're doing is living in a light, momentary affliction. And Lord, with Paul, we say that we consider the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. And we know, Father, we are confident that we died in union with Christ on that cross, and so our life is hidden with Christ and God. And Christ, when He appears, we will also appear with Him in glory. 
And so, Father, we determine to look not to the things that are perishing, not to the things that are seen, but to the unseen. Because the things that are seen are transient, but the things that we do not see are eternal. So, Father, as we worship you, Jesus, as we worship you, Spirit, as we worship you, I pray that you would move in our midst. And I pray that you would let us see the glory of Jesus. Let us have a glimpse of the glory of Jesus. For that's the glory that we will see and that's the glory that we will be through union with Him. We praise You. We honor You. We worship You. And we pray all this through Jesus Christ. Amen.